You're listening to the Talking OTC Commodities podcast series, brought to you by the Global Commodities team at EEX Group. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Mervyn-Jones, and welcome to Episode 7 of Talking OTC Commodities, brought to you by EEX Group. Today, we're talking biomass, and I'm delighted to tell you that I'm joined by a veritable smorgasbord of experts from the biomass space including our very own Rob Seahauer, Senior Business Developer at EEX, an all-round champion of biomass. Rob, perhaps I can ask you to introduce our panel of experts today. Yes, welcome everybody. And uh, I'm very happy that I'm joined by Justin Tate from Enviva today. He's got a very uh, interesting and very important role at Enviva as Sustainable Professional. And uh, with us is Daniel Kiestrim from Erstad. He's the biomass trader. So I'm very happy that both are with us today. Cool. Okay. Well, let's go straight into it. Rob, I'm going to come to you first. Um, just for the listeners that aren't uh, familiar with biomass, can you briefly explain what it is and what role it plays yep. in the energy mix? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll do that with pleasure because I think it makes a lot of sense in order to just categorize and uh, put that into the right perspective. Biomass is part of bioenergy, which consists of three components to make it more easy. One component is obviously biogas, which is gaseous. The other component is biofuel, which you, which we can consider as liquid. And the third component that is uh, biomass, which is solid. And woody biomass, which is a residual of low value wood, is used for production of heat and power. To keep costs as well as transportation-related CO2 emissions down, these low-value residuals can be pelletized to enable global transportation. And therefore, there is a global market for these pellets to help in the energy tr transition away from fossil fuels. Sustainable harvested pellets replace fossil coal in the energy mix and can step in as dispatchable commodity when wind and solar do not deliver enough energy to the consumers. Okay, now EEX launched wood pellet futures as a paper contract without physical delivery for OTC registration. Uh, when was that and why did you go down that route? We launched the product, uh, as we believe, in the energy transition towards renewable energy. Biomass is a storable and dispatchable global commodity and is one renewable energy source which builds a perfect bridge between wind, solar and hydro. We designed our offering in conjunction with market participants and opted for a combination of all strength. A financially settled contract that is settled against the Argus Index and facilitated by brokers does offer the best setup to build up the, this emerging market. Obviously, one had to be first to initiate all, and I'm very happy that EX took the responsibility to go ahead in this market. I mean, in your opinion, what needs to happen to to really integrate biomass into the mix of renewables? I think that's, that's a very uh, key question. And uh, the biomass market grew quite a lot in the, in the, in the recent years with a, an average rate of around 20% in terms of annual volume, production and consumption. But uh, there's also, and this, this growth basically allowed more people or more players into the market. So there's a, a growing number of players in the, into the market. The boat is big enough and there are even more players invited to come and join uh, this market because if we want to replace coal and enable uh, uh, renewables into our energy system, there's more capacity even required. So the structure of the market 
also needs to advance. So it, it's getting more and more complex. And we have actually the tool that copes with uh, the increasing complexity by de-risking the sector. And it's in the interest of all market participants to secure a profitable price level and to have financially healthy players being active in the market. A sustainable product as biomass also requires a sustainable market. Well said. I mean, biomass accounts for, for more than 50% of renewable energy supply by source in Europe, which is more than, I think, hydro, wind and solar combined. Um, nevertheless, the sector is often criticised and attacked in the media. Justin, perhaps I can bring you in here. Um, Inviva is one of the biggest producers of biomass. So um, why is that? Why is it attacked in the, in the, in the media? Yeah, fundamentally, I, I think it's because of a basic misunderstanding and perhaps limited knowledge of, of how the forest products industry works. So whether that's in the southeast US where Inviva operates or in Europe, I think that's also coupled with the fact that criticism often comes from organisations and individuals that only focus on the biomass sector of the industry without consideration of the bigger picture and that bigger forest products industry. So if I think of a, a couple of examples there, firstly, we often hear that whole tracts of trees are harvested and used for bioenergy. And this is just not simply how it, it works economically. What we, what we see uh, is a naturally occurring economic cascading as a result of the market. Um, so if I'm a landowner in the southeast US and I have a, a tract of trees, I'm going to harvest that tract and, and uh, merchandise it, sell it. Uh, based on the highest value markets available. And so my nice, big, tall, straight, strong trees are going to go for saw timber, for housing construction, for example. I may have some lower quality material that is more suitable for the pulp and paper industry, for making card and, and paper. And I may have some hardwood understory that's not suitable for either of those things. And alongside the harvest of those higher value materials are also the tops and limbs and come Come, that come from those uh, higher value trees, um, you know, and that material alongside any residuals from the from the harvest are perfect for using for biomass and making into wood pellets. A second kind of criticism that uh, the, you often see talked about derives from the debate over whether biomass should be treated as a, a carbon neutral renewable source of energy. Woody biomass is carbon neutral. Uh, so long as the carbon as, as the carbon released when burned equates to the carbon absorbed during growth. So if there's a continuous cycle of removals and growth, whereby the forested area and therefore the carbon is stable or increasing, then there's a net carbon benefit. And this is certainly the case in the southeast US, where only 2% of the forested area is harvested, while the remaining 98% is in various stages of regrowth. And of that 2%, that's the whole forest products industry we're talking about there. Biomass represents only about 3% of that, that small number. So it's a, it's a small part of a much bigger, uh, um, well-established forest products industry. Uh, hi, it's Daniel here from Örstedt. I uh, just had a comment or a question, kind of. Uh, as you explained, Justin, uh, the biomarket is pretty, it's technical, it's advanced to understand for for a normal person. Uh, do you have any ideas how we could uh, make it more uh, 
understandable for uh, for average person to 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 explain the benefits in in a very easy way is is, is that something you work with yeah i think that's possible to do and i think often that's about telling the story of what happens within a forest uh, and a working forest in in the context of for example how does that work in germany versus the us or in in denmark versus um elsewhere in Europe. Uh, so I think you know, telling the story of, uh, of how it happens on a, on, a, on a regional level, so people understand the benefits of, of that industry to their own economic sectors um, is a good way of telling the story. But I think also you need to include the benefits that working forests bring for things like biodiversity and the, the opportunities to protect um, certain ecosystems. Uh, but also to to guard against things like wildfires and, and, and pests and disease control and the role that sustainably managed forests can play in that. So I think it's about telling a holistic story of a, a forest products industry and, a, and the sort of range of benefits that can bring, rather than only focusing on one sector of that industry and then only focusing on one element, for example, the suggestion of, of whole tracks going to, to bioenergy. There's a question that I, that I wanted to to bring up because one of the misconceptions that I'm sure you've been faced with, I've certainly heard it, is that cutting a forest is the same as deforestation. Yeah. So how do you how do you increase visibility and transparency? Coming back to what Daniel says, how do you how do you increase visibility and transparency to dis, to disprove this statement? A, a good a good question, Michael. But let's be clear that deforestation occurs when forests are cut and not regenerated. Um, so this is not what happens in the, in the areas that uh, Inviva sources from or from working forests in generally. Um, I mean, you just have to think about that for a little bit. If, if all you did was cut and not regenerate, then then the industry, you know, forest products industries would not survive. You have to have a continually uh, growing resource to be able to have a, a thriving industry. Um, in the southeast US, it, it, it's, it's clear cutting is a forestry practice, a well-established one for generations, but as is planting and natural regeneration following that type of harvest. So as in Viva, uh, we do this through our track and trace system, which is a system that allows us to track and trace all the fibre we source from each individual tract of wood. Um, and using the information that that system provides and coupling it with uh, data from the forest inventory and analysis program of the US Forest Service. We can monitor forest health, we can show wood supply maps, we can show data around the sourcing areas and what's happening to forest inventory. Is, is, is it open, transparent for the public to see those figures? But that, Because that would be a huge benefit. Yeah, so for sure. Track and Trace is, is a system that anybody can go into and on the via the Inviva website and look at uh, the dynamics and, and data relating to the regions that Inviva. Yeah, that's very well. good. Uh, and, and as is the FIA data itself, so the USDA Forest Service. Um, so the data that we use and and and, and show on through our track and trace system certainly uh, supports uh, the fact that the, the healthy market that we see for forest products, including biomass, is, is certainly contributing to the health of the forest and, and it's contributing to an increasing uh, level of in inventory and stock within the, the, the southeast US. I think that's that's a very good point because when I, when I was reading about it, uh, it's Robert uh, and, and Justin, thank, thanks for also for the questions, Daniel. 
I mean, I think that that is an interesting point. Maybe you you could shed some light for me personally. You're saying that due to the the, the sustainably sustainable management of forests, you you even uh, enlarge the 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 carbon sink basically you you grow more forests and you 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 have a high a higher quality of of the forests uh, which basically absorbs co2 from the atmosphere is that correct i think you know, biomass plays a role uh, within the, the larger industry of creating a market for for forest products now if there's a market and particularly like somewhere in the southeast us where land ownership is is you know 80% of land is held privately there's a freedom of choice there for those landowners to do what they will with with that land so if there's a healthy and robust market for forest products and including biomass then that uh, is an incentive for those landowners to continue to keep their land uh, within you know in forestry so to to replant and to to carry on that um, cycle of removal and and regrowth um, and have systems in place to think about uh, high conservation value areas and the protection of, of uh, fragile ecosystems. Um, and I think that is a, an element that helps um, protect and develop the idea of you know, certain parts of a forest or certain species need to be protected and, and should be. And I think having a sustainable forest management approach um, takes that into account. Uh, so I think that is a, another contribution that it makes to achieving some of those aims that you, you mentioned. Okay, so Justin, I mean, I'm right in thinking that the, the price point of biomass is is pretty high. Do you think that that steep price point limits its potential success? Um, I think the thing to remember here is that climate change is the greatest social and economic challenge of our time, which we all know. Protecting forests is critical to meeting our climate targets. And so we believe that by helping energy producers to reduce their emissions by using wood as a carbon neutral fuel, we're able to contribute to tackling that challenge. It's a win win for the climate, energy production and the protection and growth of forests. So to me, the cost of inaction is actually far greater. So, no, I don't think that the current price point should limit its potential. As for making comparisons with energy produced through other means and fossil fuels and, and other renewables, I think it's important to take into account full system costs. Um, but that's an area I'm going to leave to Robert to talk more about because uh, he, he has a much greater expertise in this area than I do. OK, well, listen, before before we go back to Rob, I mean, Daniel, I'd like to bring you in here now. You guys are working for a company which was awarded the title of being the most sustainable company in the world. Um, by a very impressive index called the Corporate Knights 2020 Global 100 Index. Sounds very important. Um, anyway, the company aims to be carbon neutral in 2025, and that's 25 years ahead of the European Union. How has your job changed over the years and during the transition period away from coal and other fossil fuels and towards renewables? Yeah, well, uh, it's been a... Uh... It's been some kind of a very uh, exciting journey, actually. But to, to start off uh, shortly about uh, where I work, uh, I started at a company called Dong Energy. It's uh, Danish oil and natural gas. So that's uh, pretty much the opposite of uh, where I'm working now. Uh, at Örstedt, we're uh, we have exited uh, from from most of our business within uh, oil and gas. 
and uh, we're now focusing on offshore wind. So we're one of the one of the major players in the world actually on on offshore wind, and uh, the market has also broadened. Uh, we have the UK market is uh, huge, and uh, we're now in the US and Asia as well. So so the company has turned from some it's turned around completely during the last yeah seven eight years uh, and it's been uh, really exciting to be part of that journey but we also have uh, different markets uh, i come from the nordic power market and co2 but now uh, we have a lot of trading in uh, in the uk and in the us um, so uh, that, that that has changed a lot and now uh, also we are starting obviously to to, to uh, to trade the wood pellets as well, it's a uh, it, it, it's an important thing for us for the for the, our uh, power plants to be able to be as green as possible. And the biomass uh, uh, is is uh, obviously much better than coal, so that suits us well. Um, just Justin yeah. explained um, already how important transparency is for. For Inviva and um, in biomass procurement and production, how do you, as a biomass trader, aim to increase transparency? What are your experiences in these other markets? You know, you've, you've told us just now that you know you have actively worked in other markets. Did you see the same levels of maturity? My background within the Nordic market, for for example, is that two things are important. Uh, you have to have a reliable spot price to trade around. You have to rely on what you're trading. And the second thing is uh, the Nordic power market uh, was historically very keen on uh, trading uh, on the exchange, so to speak, to, uh, to clear the trades. Because if you clear the trades, you can see what's been trading. You have numbers to analyze, and that makes the market more transparent. Which brings me sort of onto my next. Yeah, it, it, that sort of brings me onto my next question. I mean, w- what kind of market would you wish for to reflect the full biomass potential? I mean, do you favour more products over liquidity, or vice versa? Yeah, I, I've been trading the CO two market as well, and if if you compare it to the CO two market, it's much better to have uh, have liquidity in one product. If you go to the CO two market, the the uh, the liquidity for the front deck contract uh, has always been good. And when that is uh, a contract you can rely on and trade, you obviously can trade around that with doing spreads and so on. So I would definitely prefer a contract that is uh, one contract with liquidity. So in this case, it could maybe be the front month or something like that. Uh, so if you got a price for the front contract on the wood pellets market, it would obviously be easier for traders to to take that and see, okay, what what should the spreads be for the for the curve, to trade the curve as a whole. Okay, thanks for that, Daniel. I mean, Rob, coming back to you now, what are the motives of EEX to be involved in the transformation process towards renewables? So it is, it is obvious that uh, our climate does change and did change in the past and will change even further if we do not reduce the carbon emissions now. I think that's also 
has been a very uh, good set by, by Justin. And I, I'm convinced, and so are many other colleagues uh, at EX, that we are in a top position to even enhance the transformation process away from fossil fuels towards renewables. And I'll tell you why. Around 40% of Europe's CO2 emissions are coming from the power sector. Another 40% roughly are coming from the heating sector. On the power side, the decarbonization was already started in 2005 by setting up the EU ETS uh, and the market uh, Daniel was just referring to, where EX was present from the start. Still, we do have not achieved a complete coal phase out because it's not so simple. However, EX is in a position to integrate all renewable and en renewable energy sources market-based so that each renewable energy source play its part where it's most uh, efficient. Which brings me on to my next question. I mean, we, EEX, launched the, the wood pellets contract, I think it was uh, 2018, right, about two years ago. Um, and I, I, and there's, there's many reasons why we did that, because we wanted to be a champion of this product. But looking to the future, from an exchange perspective, what do you think it's going to take before we see a really successful biomass, well-functioning market with good liquidity? Let me, let me answer this, uh, this question also with another question. How do you define a successful biomass market? I mean, actually, from my perspective, the market is successful and delivers great results to everybody when fossil fuels are phased out and fossil CO2 emissions are reduced. By the design of the power market, we do have a setup which already affects, which already is efficient because the power production with low costs is favored over inefficient power production with high costs. A transparent market price delivers that signal. When the biomass market adapts to the setup, delivers its potential in terms of stepping in when heat and power is needed the most, so when uh, wind and solar cannot deliver, I consider this as successfully done. It doesn't matter. I think the, the success is when biomass is completely and fully integrated into the mix of renewables. It's uh, also been a success, uh, you can say, in Denmark, because we converted a lot of coal here to biomass. So that's, I mean, it's ongoing. And the strength of the wood pellets is obviously that it could be a base load of power production that could replace coal. That's very good. And the second thing, uh, also a large thing that could be changed is the district heating industry could be start using pellets. So I think, uh, I, think I hope it's uh, going to be a success. Okay, so there we have it. Thank you so much, guys. I think that um, all, all panelists raised some really interesting insights today. And thanks also to you, our listeners, for, um, well, listening. If you'd like any further info on EEX's biomass products, please visit www.eex.com or feel free to email me myself. Um, my email address and contact details are all included in the episode notes. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.